I'm Kate. And I'm Jesse. And you're listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. <laughs> Let's do this. So the best way to stand out is to stay in your own lane, not even look at what anybody else is doing, but be authentic and do what feels right to you without any other care about what anybody else is doing. Welcome to Cocktails and Content Creation, the podcast dedicated to helping you easily create content with confidence. I'm Kate Andrews. And I'm Jesse Wyman. Welcome back to another episode of Cocktails and Content Creation, episode 60. If you're enjoying the podcast, why not leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening? We would love to know what you think. For today's episode, we're chatting about how to get started with YouTube content to generate an audience, which I'm excited to hear about that because I've done very little when it comes to YouTube. But before we go any further and get really into our discussion, what are you drinking today, Jesse? So George went out this morning and got some coffee. So I just had him grab me a black coffee for today's discussion. Um, just a dark roast. Simple. Mm, I was actually at that Starbucks the other day, yesterday. The one in uh, just... Up the road? Yeah, just up the road, down the street, you know? Nice. Very yes. Nice. Well, I wasn't going to, except Ariel was like, cake pop? Cake pop? Oh, yes. So I had to go get a cake pop. We were at, mar- <sighs> we were at the market basket and had to go get a cake pop. Mm. All right. Well, you can't have it until after dinner. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's that got to be a tough That one. was an experience. But, oh, you know what I've been drinking a lot of lately is those um, medicine ball teas. And do you know those from Starbucks? Okay, so they're actually now called. They started off as like a a thing somebody created, like off the Starbucks secret menu. You know the whole secret menu thing, mm. right? Somebody created it, and it became a thing. And now it's actually called the honey citrus mint tea. And why they call it a medicine ball is people swear by these things. It's got um, lemonade, which is like the vitamin C, um, honey, which is always good for like not feeling well and um mint which is also a really good thing for like an upset stomach or anything so it's like a trifecta of good stuff for a cold or if you're just not feeling great and the thing is i've been drinking them a lot lately because they're actually really delicious mm. <laughs> um you know you think medicine balti like it's going to be gross it's actually really good and i don't know it seems like everywhere i turn it's not just covid like every you know i guess it's being around a child like everyone's been sick everybody's had something and i'm just like keep away from me <laughs> and 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 it's funny that we're talking with somebody called healthy emmy today uh-huh, yes because here i am trying to stay healthy so you know i know that's not what we're talking about with her but i am here excited to hearing everything that she has to say about um how she's kind of used her platform to share her message yeah Yes, she has grown quite the following, over 63,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel as part of her way to grow her audience for her Healthy Emmy Slim on Starch program. And I think I would love to know how I know that again, I know that's not the point of our conversation, but I think I might have to reconnect with her after we have this conversation because I'd love to learn how to get slim on starches. So anyway. Now that we have that important business out of the way, let's get into our discussion with our guest, Emmy Keith. All right. Today we have Emmy on the show. She is known to her audiences as Healthy Emmy, and she's a plant-based nutritionist and creator of the Slim on Starch program. Those that join her program not only work with her, but have access to a supportive team, including a mindset coach and nutrition coach to lose weight on a plant-based diet. She has amassed over 63,000 subscribers to her YouTube channel, 
with her educational, educational and entertaining videos that inspire her audience to take the next step in their healthy journey with a plant-based diet. We're excited to have her on the show today to talk about how she's built her YouTube channel with her content that really builds trust with her audience. Emmy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we are so excited. Kate has the first so question. Yes. Well, this is, you know, before we get into the healthy stuff, or though this may be healthy for you, I'm not sure. This is cocktails and content creation. <laughs> so we must start off with what are you drinking today? I have a decaf green tea. I am such a straight edge that I don't even do caffeine. So I have a, ge- a decaf green tea for this morning. Oh, I love it. I love that. <laughs> I'm Kate's, right a, Kate's a big you. tea drinker. Big tea. I got, I have, what do I have? I have tropical tea today from St. Lucia. That's probably too old to be drinking, but it still tastes good. So because it's from like my trip in 2018, whatever. whatever. I love it. No, we're so, excited to have you on the show today. Yeah. Me so too. I actually, I actually know Emmy. We did a mastermind together a while back. And so I'm super excited to have you here to chat about your YouTube channel, but why don't we start off with having you give us a brief overview of your journey and exactly what it is that you do. Sure. So I started making YouTube videos when I was in college. I just turned 27 this past weekend. So I started making YouTube videos when I was 20. I was studying. Yeah, I was studying abroad. By the way, thank you. Thank you. Now you tell me that I don't look 27. I look 21, right? Oh, (laughs) totally. Not a day over. Nobody can see you, but you look so fresh faced today. Like incredible. (laughs) So I started making YouTube videos when I was 20. I was studying abroad in London and that was, I had just started a plant-based diet about a year prior and I was so inspired by my plant-based diet. I was so excited about it. And I also loved to teach. I was in school to become a teacher. I was studying education. So I combined the two things I love with something else that I loved, which was making videos. I always loved making videos. I always was the one with the camera. And I took my love for teaching. I took my love for a plant-based diet. And I took my love for video making. And I decided to make a YouTube channel about my new plant-based diet and talk about what I was learning and sharing tips. And I did it out of pure joy. I put up a YouTube video every single day when I was studying abroad in London. I went out to Hyde Park. I lived right across from Hyde Park. And I went out there and I had a little beautiful setting right there. I know. I had a beautiful, I had a beautiful setting and I had a little tripod that I attached to a tree and I stood in front of a tree in Hyde Park and I made YouTube videos and I uploaded them and there were maybe 10 people watching and one was my mom and the rest of them were my friends, but I loved what I was doing and I just, I kept on doing it. So that's where I started. I ended up getting my degree in education. I became a math teacher and I was just making YouTube videos on the side for fun. I just loved doing it. And I did that for years, not doing it for anything other than pure joy. It really brought me so much joy. And then I realized, okay, I have a lot more passion for that than I do for teaching the Pythagorean theorem as a math teacher. And I don't know if I, if I want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't know if I want to be teaching kids algebra and geometry for the rest of my life. I really like this other thing that I'm doing. So I decided to become certified as a nutritionist on the side. 
And I was 22 when I decided to do that. And then at 23, I made the rash decision to move to Australia. (laughs) I didn't have a boyfriend. I said, you know what? I'm 23. I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have kids. I'm going to move to Australia. It really was that simple. So I moved to Australia. I took my YouTube with me. And that's really when my YouTube channel started to gain traction. And I started to really build trust with my audience because they were right there with me moving on the other side of the globe at 23, not knowing a soul, not really even knowing what I was doing, but they came along for the ride. Uh, and was your I content search- still centered around the plant-based, um, your journey with being plant-based at that point? Always, always. And I loved to do the style of video where I would provide that value, but also build a relationship with viewers because they would watch me as I moved into my studio apartment and they would watch as my mom came to visit me and as my car broke down and as I was driving to school, everything that was also happening in my life, they were also there for. So while still providing value about a plant-based diet, we were building this personal relationship as well and more of an intimate relationship. And by the time I had expired my visa in Australia, I had gained up a pretty sizable following And I decided to turn that into what I did full-time, which was to coach people with a plant-based diet and use my content as a means of getting new clients. I love that. I also, I gave up eating meat. I do eat fish. I'm a pescatarian, Um, but I gave up eating meat in 2011, I want to say, and I did it because my sister who has, um, she has a an illness, she had given it up. And we know, I mean, granted, we were not eating the best of meat. I think we were like eating McDonald's chicken nuggets. Okay. Um, we noticed like she wasn't going to the hospital nearly as much because of this. So I was like, I'm going to give it up too. And I, not only have I, I'm not going to say I've lost weight, but (laughs) I love it because I, I feel like so many people like forget about all the other types of food out there and they just kind of rely on the chicken and the beef and everything. And I've just tried so many different things. So it really is kind of a great way to live. What do you think? So we kind of talked about our next question, which was, you know, when did it start and how did it grow? Um, It's now over 63,000 subscribers. How fast did that kind of take off? You said in Australia is when you started to see a lot of traction. Yes, but I moved at a snail's pace up until that point. Oh, really? And oh, yeah. And I was, you know, what year was this? I, what I, year was this? I started my YouTube channel in 2015. I moved to Australia in 2018. Okay. So for three years, I was just putting up videos and doing it for fun and just focusing on the input and making videos because I loved it. And I had so much joy out of it. And I wasn't looking at the outputs and the numbers and how many views and how many subscribers. I was just doing something that I loved. And even at this point, 63,000, and there are people with 6.3 million subscribers. 
but it's about the quality of the people that you have because you can have 6.3 million people following you and they don't know a thing about you. I have 63,000 subscribers who know my mom's name. They know my dad's name. They know about my brother. They know I have two brothers. It's a very intimate relationship with these people. And you can have 100 pennies or you can have four quarters. And I have really capitalized on creating a, a group of people called the Healthy Honeys is what we call ourselves that is intimate and there's trust and it's a very true few as opposed to having huge masses of people that really don't know anything about me or my message. I have to say, I do see that come through in your brand. Ever since we met, you do have like these themes that are woven into your content, the healthy honeys, the healthy, the, the healthy home, the healthy Emmy. And then mm-hmm. I think even you call your, your parents <laughs> yeah. healthy. healthy mummy. Yeah, so I, I did a healthy that. mummy series on my channel. My mom was struggling with her weight and she had high cholesterol. And so she went through my program and I documented the healthy mummy series on my channel. And I swear <laughs> her fan base is bigger than mine. She is so loved on my channel. But yeah, capitalizing on those themes and building a community. And by the time a viewer becomes a client of mine, they've been following for so long. They've watched every single one of my videos. They know more about me than I probably know about me. And they've created a relationship so that by the time we get to each other, I'm like, well, you know, what have you been waiting for? Here we are. And we can really get into the nitty gritty of, of what we want to work on together. So you would say that it's a pretty integral part to your sales funnel and sort of building that relationship through your videos, through your content, really getting in um, to the personal aspects of that. So what type of content, I mean, we talk about like, uh, you, you briefly mentioned, you talk about like your move to Australia and you talked about like getting the apartment and doing the things like what type of content, or can you dive into a little bit more about that on how you build that trust? Like what does your content, is there like a mix of like the educational versus the personal, or do you just kind of wove it and wove it, weave, weave it together? (laughs) So because I, I am a former teacher and I'm a teacher at heart, all my videos are educational and must have an educational aspect. I could not put up a video that doesn't have an educational aspect. It doesn't feel right to me. It seems attention seeking versus giving out value. And I always want to provide value to the people that watch my videos. So everything is educational, but I also will not put up a video that is strictly educational. It has to have some little personal thing in it, whether it's my cats fighting in the background, which people will see all the time, or it's a little personal story about something that's going on, or just an update or something about the weather and living in Massachusetts where it's freezing, something that that builds some connection with us so that it's not so clinical and transactional. And I'm not just a Wikipedia page and somebody couldn't Google something and get the same information. I want to build some sort of relationship. Something that we used to say as teachers was the kids don't care to learn until they learn that you care. And that's why there's so much value given to relationship building when you're teaching. And I carry that into my YouTube channel as well, trying to make people see that I'm a real human and I'm not just a robot and a Wikipedia page that's spitting out educational facts to them. 
You do that so well. And I was watching one of your videos and you were like putting on your makeup or something. And you were like, do you put your outfit on before makeup, after makeup? <laughs> and, and you just have these moments where you pause and the way you deliver your your content and your script is also very entertaining, but you can relate to that. It's like, oh my God, I totally get that. Like I do my, I get makeup all over myself too. I like, think about that we'll all do, the time. Do you put your makeup on and then put on your clothes or do you do it the other way around? I actually put my clothes on usually first before makeup. Depends. Don't you end up with makeup all over your clothes? It's like one of those things that like stretch the <laughs> And then make sure the shirt goes in. Like what's going to touch my face is like the inside of the shirt. But yeah. Yeah. See, it's it's a with, struggle. With, see, with me, it's sometimes I, I, so I have a two year, two and a half year old. And so if I, if it's white, if it's a white piece of clothing on top, like it, I just have to wait to do the makeup for after, right? I'll put like little, you know, the little tissues in and everything like that. Uh, yeah, it's, I look, I look very attractive, very attractive. Um, but like, if I know that it's something that's like a little bit more durable and I know, okay, I've got time to do makeup now. And then I don't want to get this top wrinkled or something like that. And I know my two and a half year old is going to be clawing at me this afternoon and I got to go out later. I'll put the makeup on. And then when I, right before I go out, I put the top on. So that's how I run my life is I guess by my, <laughs> by my two-year-old's whims. Pretty much. <laughs> that's that's how everything is these days. But Love it. If, it. if I was, if I had the luxury, it would always be clothes than makeup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. So being in a, in a popular niche like yours, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like there, there's a lot of people out there talking about nutrition in a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, plant-based does seem to be like, it's a little more, I don't want to use the word trendy, but it definitely seems to be more common these way these days. How can one stand out on YouTube in a popular, in a popular niche? It's funny for me to hear you say that plant-based is trendy and popular because I am so out of consuming plant-based content. I'm so out of that world that I wouldn't even know that it's trendy. I don't, I hear people talk about other influencers in my space and I don't even know their names because I don't consume that content. I try to create more than I consume and stay in my own lane. Mm. So I am a big runner and I used to run track. And something that we learned is to never ever look back or to look at the people next to you because it slows you down. Looking at what other people are doing just slows you down. And if you're a swimmer, that's the same thing too, is to never look at the other lanes because it makes you slower. So I don't consume other plant-based content. I don't try to make myself different. I just keep doing what I want to do and what feels joyous and right to me without any other outside sources, because I believe that the more I look at everybody else subconsciously or consciously, my content will start to match theirs. So the best way to stand out is to stay in your own lane, not even look at what anybody else is doing, but be authentic and do what feels right to you without any other care about what anybody else is doing. That's so refreshing because I feel like I keep getting emails from all the different, you know, social media management systems, like, you know, trending reels and, um, you know, the advice is to see what's trending and copy that or, you know, and, and always, you know, they always end with like the disclaimer, make it your own. Um, but that is, that's really refreshing. That is, to that like is so exhausting for me to even think it about. It is exhausting. 
it's overwhelming. It's anxiety inducing. I came to this world of content creation from it being a joyous activity for me to do. And I never want it to become a competition. I'm not trying to win this. You can't win this. There's always going to be somebody that has more followers and somebody that's doing this better or that better. So what we want to do is to do what we love, do it in a way that feels exciting and we have passionate about it and to not make it some competition where we're trying to be the trendiest and the best and do things first and and better than everybody else and stand out. The authenticity is something that cannot be a number, a follower number or a like count cannot encapsulate an authentic connection that you have with your audience and your followers. So you you have said the word joyous a lot and i love that you're using that word because i i feel like a lot of our audience and a lot of other entrepreneurs can relate with the idea of content creating content but letting it be like a burnout eventually like how i know we didn't specifically have this on our list of questions but you're kind of bringing me to this question about how now that you've been doing this for several years how do you maintain it as a thing that you enjoy doing? Is it just the fact that you are just staying in your lane and doing what feels right? Is it as simple as that? Or do you have moments where you are like, oh God, I, I don't want to do this? And how do you get over that if you do? I find that the only time that joy is taken from my passion for content creation is when I look at what other people are doing, because then I start comparing my content to theirs, my follower count to theirs. Once you enter that space of comparison, they say comparison is the thief thief of joy. That's when burnout starts to creep in because you're not doing things as well as everybody else. I truly believe that without comparing yourself to others, burnout is not a possibility. We become burned out because we think we're not, we think we're not doing enough. And the only way that we can feel that we're not doing enough is when we compare ourselves to other people. So how I prevent burnout is just Honestly, the mental picture that I have is that I'm in, and I kind of have this as I live in my house alone, I am in my own little bubble and I'm creating things that I love and I have my healthy honeys in my bubble with me. And if they want to go out into another bubble, that's great. And if they want to stay in my bubble, that's great, but I'm going to stay in my bubble. I like it here. I like the little worlds that I've built here. And I'm not going to look at what anybody else is doing because then I'm going to say, I don't want to be in this bubble anymore. This bubble isn't big enough or it's not bright enough. It's not fun enough. It's not warm enough. I like my bubble right here and I'm not going to look at anybody else's. Oh my God, so, I'm loving everything you're saying. I, I like, know. I just I have like the biggest it. smile. You're bringing so much <laughs> joy to this conversation. Well, and it makes it, you know, it simplifies it and it, it kind of, you know, I, so I work, uh, I'm a writer, but I also work as an influencer and so much of my work is, you know, what is everybody else? It seems like, what is everybody else doing? How can I keep up? It's this constant mill, you know, just trying to get ahead of trends or start trends or whatever. And it, and it can be, and truthfully, as I was talking to Jesse, um, before we even got on, you know, I recently posted a reel of my daughter just jumping on the bed because she had taken, uh, Jesse had taken a picture of it for me and it ended up becoming like the most popular, like I didn't do anything. Like I didn't put any like super trendy song to it that was like going and it ended up being really popular. So it's just like, Sometimes hearing that from somebody else, you know, that you don't have to constantly be seeing what other people are doing to just do your own thing. It's almost like giving people permission to like just be themselves, which is great. But 
I, so I was looking up, you know, your, as we were preparing for this interview, I was looking up your, your YouTube and everything. There are actually people who have created YouTube videos based off of advice that you've given. How do you deal with that then in terms of like reacting to other people kind of taking your content and creating their own kind of thing? I mean, that's how you know you've made it, right? (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. Howard Stern. I love Howard Stern. He says, the people that love me listen to me for two hours a day. The people that hate me listen to me for four hours a day. Oh, And I'm, I mean, I'm honored that I'm getting that attention from other people. Yes. I love it. Yeah. I, I, when, yes, I totally agree. That's a a great answer. Perfect. It was just so interesting to me, especially after hearing you say what you were saying. I'm like, wow. But then she's got like a ton of people making videos like about her advice. Like, I wonder how she deals with that. So she stays in her lane. She's not looking at the runner. No, I like that. I like that. And again, it's still it's giving people that permission to kind of just do their own thing, which I feel like we we just get discouraged from so much lately, especially when it comes to content creation. It just seems like we have to be keeping up with everyone else. And I'm not going to give my power away to some something that I've been doing. I've been doing this since Ooh. I was a, a teenager out of joy. And if I'm going to let somebody, if they don't like the way that I do something, if I'm going to hand over something that has brought me so I, the passion I have for it is outrageous. And I'm going to take that and just give it to somebody else and let them have the power. No, this is, I love what I do. I'm going to keep doing it. Good for you. That's, that's amazing. Well, as I said, you know, so they're basically taking your content and repurposing it. We talk a lot about repurposing content on the show. Do you do that with your YouTube videos or your, your video content in general? Do you put maybe post it across different social media platforms as well? Or are you creating new content all the time. You said you were posting like every single day on your YouTube channel in London. Yeah. I'm a very highly conscientious personality and I have only recently started to say, huh, what if I take one piece of content and I turn it into an Instagram post and an Instagram story? I recently have started to do that because I've realized that some people prefer this platform. Some people prefer to read. Some people prefer to listen. It's okay to do that. Whereas when I first started, I thought, no, everything has to be brand new or people are going to think that I'm lazy and I'm not trying. But people also, even if they are seeing the same thing over and over again on different platforms, that's the way that people learn. One thing that we learned as a teacher is that a kid has to learn, hear something seven times before they even start to, it starts to make any impact on their brain. So people need to hear the same things over and over and other people prefer different platforms. So like you'll take, do you, do you generally start your content with the idea of like a YouTube, like a YouTube video? And then do you break it down from there or would you, or do you just like know the content topic and decide where you want to start with creating that based on the platform you want to use first? I always start with YouTube. YouTube is my my main place because I build so much trust with future clients through YouTube. And it's very rare that I have a client that isn't an avid YouTube viewer of mine. Uh, it's very rare that somebody would just come from Instagram or just listening to my podcast. It's usually through YouTube. So I start with YouTube. And if I'm cooking something, I'll take a picture of what I'm cooking. And sometimes on Instagram, I will take the photo of the food and then tie people back to my YouTube channel saying, if you want to see the full recipe, go to my YouTube channel. So I try to send people to my YouTube channel as much as possible because that's where the trust is built. 
I love that. So speaking of that, let's get into a little bit of the detail on like the actual content creating for YouTube. Um, if someone is just starting out or if someone's super, super green, um, you know, what advice do you have for them in terms of like equipment or like you said, you just like, do they just need the tripod and a tree in a local park or would you recommend, awesome. <laughs> I mean, would you recommend like looking back, like, would you, would you suggest something else to, to grow your channel? I, your channel? I wouldn't change anything looking back. I would get started and make it messy and you're never going to be able to feel ready, ready. That whole idea of readiness is a lie. And I would, I would never go back to my 20 year old self and spend like my six month salary as a college student on a camera at that time when I had a, I had a phone, my phone had a camera. I would have just used that. Um, I wouldn't have changed a thing, but with the content creation, I always start with the title of the YouTube video and work my way from there. I think a lot of people start by sitting down in front of the camera and just talking. And then they think about the title at the end of the video. You want to reverse that because what do people see first? They see the title first and then they decide whether or not they can, they're going to click on the video. So you could have an awesome video, but if it's not packaged correctly, nobody's ever going to see it. That it's totally true because like, I know I work a lot with SEO and I used to do super creative titles and, and nobody would even have an idea what I was talking about in the titles. And so not only would they not really click because they have no idea what I'm talking about, it also wouldn't show up on like SEO searches. So keeping it simple yeah. is the way to go. And and it, and it in the end, it creates so much less work for you too. I don't know how many times I'll get in front of a... Um, and, you know, I'll do an Instagram story and I just sit there and I'm like talking, rambling and realizing I have absolutely no point to say. <laughs> do you, but the thing um, is, go ahead. If you had thought of a good title beforehand, then that's fine because then yeah. people are in there and then they're just going to keep listening. So you can ramble all you want so long as the title is good. <laughs> So you got your title and then do you do like a, do you have a script or like a general, like, do you outline like the bullet points you mm. want to talk about? And do you pre-plan your like personal, um, you know, your, your, your funny moments, like, or is it just come authentically like your cat? You can't fighting? plan humor like mine. <laughs> no, I mean, that's what I'm saying is you're so good at it. And, and so I was just curious if that is like, you just go with it. I always write out the bullet points that I want to go over and I always make sure that I tie back in something to my program in there, whether it's telling a story about a client or showing a transformation of a client, just to remind people that if they are interested in my services, that I do offer those in the very beginning, I wrote out everything, every last word. I had an entire script written out. But I've been doing this for so long that I'm so comfortable in front of a camera at this point that I'm more articulate in front of a camera than I am talking to friends and family. And that's just from, I've gotten my 10,000 hours and I guess from repetition, repetition, repetition and practicing. But at the beginning, I was fastidious about making sure that I had my script, script written out. Now I have my title, I have my bullet points, and I've talked about this for so long in front of a camera. I can only imagine how many hours I've sat in front of a camera talking about plant-based nutrition that I can have one bullet point and I can just go off on it. And then the editing. Let's talk a little bit yeah. about that. How much do you, do you, do you still do your own editing? Do you outsource? Um, what would you recommend? And how for much someone? do you do? Yeah. How much for like person just starting out? 
you're not going to believe that I just hired an editor last month. Congratulations. So I was editing. <laughs> yeah. You. I was editing all of my own videos. It was the one thing I just could not let go of because that's what got me into this in the first place. Like I said earlier, I was in middle school making videos and on Windows Movie Maker, just making funny videos of my friends and my family. And it was always just a joy of mine to edit videos. And I didn't want to let go of that. Uh, But I got to the point where I just did not have enough time in the day. And my quality of videos would have gone down if I didn't outsource this. So I've hired an editor. It's not perfect yet, but I know that it's a working relationship and my style of editing is very unique and improvements are happening. And I always have him edit and then send it back to me as a project in final cut pro so that I can go in and do my finishing touches. And then I upload it myself. So I'm getting help with editing, but I haven't a hundred percent outsourced it. That's my favorite program. Final cut pro. Yeah. So final cut pro. um, Do you have any, resources or thoughts on, you know, getting your videos seen. I know Mm -hmm. that, you know, people thinking about this as a platform for their content, obviously we want it to be joyous, but at the end of the day, they also are looking to use this as a funnel for their service or their offer. So I know on YouTube, you can do like tags or keywords or like, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that or resources that are helpful to look into, to make sure that you're doing what you can to boost the visibility of a video. So the title and the thumbnail are the most important. And I would, if you really are serious about getting your video seen, I would hire somebody that is an SEO expert that can help you craft a list of titles that are SEO friendly and they can look at the competition for certain titles and That's where you want to start is making sure that you have a list of titles that are SEO friendly, that you know that you can create really high quality content on, and then making an eye-catching thumbnail as well so that it's not just a good title, but it's a thumbnail that makes you want to click. What do you make your thumbnails in? Is it, is, do you have it on like Canva or? I used to make my own thumbnails on PicMonkey and I've recently hired somebody to to make the thumbnails. So I send over, I draw out on a piece of paper what I want you. it to look like. Yeah. And then I take some shots and send it over to him. And I'm sure he uses Photoshop. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Pick monkey. Oh my gosh. I love it. Um, any other, monkey. any other ways, um, any other uh, equipment or software that you use to like either plan out your content? You know, a lot your of tips. our listeners are about the content creation aspect and how to plan that out. I don't know if you have a system in place where you're like, okay, this month I'm, or this week, I'm going to do a YouTube video on that, what that's going to look like and how you plan that out. So I, at the end of every month, I plan the next month ahead and I assign a few different days. So I have a YouTube brainstorm day and I usually do this on a Saturday morning because I don't have any client calls on Saturdays. All of my coaches and my assistants, they're not working on that day. So I feel very like it's just me and a pad of paper. I don't use a computer for it. I don't want any distractions. I just sit down and for a couple of hours, I brainstorm title ideas, title and thumbnail concepts. And I do that as if I'm in solitary confinement so that I really feel like there's nothing that could possibly distract me, no clients, nothing. And so I brainstorm all of those. 
And then I dedicate another day now that I have the titles and the thumbnails to really solidifying 10 titles and thumbnails so that I can be covered for a month because I upload two videos a week to YouTube at least a month. And then once I have the titles and the thumbnails, I schedule the day that I'm going to film everything. So I do a marathon one day a month where I sit down and I film 10 videos. It is like the most exhausting day of my life. And I will dedicate another day to writing out the scripts for everything, the bullet points for everything. And then one day a month, I sit down and it's a marathon and I film everything uh, and send it over to the editor to do the rough cuts. That's I, we love to hear people batching content because that's kind of our jam as well. It's uh, I used to go by fly by the seat of my pants. I'd be like, Oh, it's Monday. And I put up a video every Wednesday. So I need to record a video today. What am I going to (laughs) do? So what are you, what are you using for a camera now? I have a Canon M50. And do you use a shotgun mic or do you use a, do you have a wired mic? I don't. Wow. So it's just off the camera. Yeah. Wow. It's really good sound too. Really good sound. Thank you. So I, I, I used to work in TV. I, I love, I love it when people can create a good, good production. Well, I mean, we could talk about this for like ever. I have, I have just so many follow-up questions for you, but I know we're going to wrap this up. So where can people find out more about you, about what you do and, and how you can, how they can maybe work with you in the future? You can go to healthyemmy.org. So it's healthy, M-E is E-M-M-I-E.org. I'm also Healthy Emmy on Instagram and Healthy Emmy on YouTube and Healthy Emmy on TikTok. So go to any of those platforms and you can find me there. And well, her videos are so entertaining. You'll love yeah. them. Her content. I just followed. Great. I love it. <laughs> Anytime I see a story, I'm like, I'm going to watch this. It's great. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Jesse, oh, for introducing you. her to her stuff to me because I will definitely be watching. So, I'm I mean, a thank you so girl. much. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks, guys. You have a great day. You too. So, I just adore Emmy. Uh, As I mentioned, we had connected through a mastermind we were in together a few years ago, and I have always enjoyed her content and her ability to show up with such personality and such in such entertaining ways and grow such a big following. And one of the things I loved about our conversation with her was she kept using the word joyous and she's always created content in a way that felt authentic and brought her joy. And so sometimes as business owners and content creators, that gets lost. And so I really felt her energy today in our conversation and keeping the joy in it. Well, and I think big part of that joy is the fact that she is, she was talking about, and I love how she used all these runner terms and she isn't, she is a runner, um, staying in her own lane and, I think in this day and age, especially as Instagram has introduced reels and we have TikTok now and new, new trends, new tips on how to create content. And and this is obviously what we focus on um, with this podcast is how to create content, but all this new stuff is cropping up about creating content and, and how to garner a larger audience. I think it was very refreshing to me to hear somebody who is just so focused on creating the content that she loves to create, that she knows she's good at, 
and she knows resonates with her audience. So therefore, you know, she isn't trying, she, while she is trying to expand her audience, she isn't looking for new audiences to go after. It's she knows that there's just more of the people out there that her message is resonating with. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not trying to, you know, all of a sudden attract, you know, middle-aged men and have no interest in YouTube. Or whatever, you know, she's so she she knows who she's attracting and she knows how to create that content and she isn't going to worry about what's the latest trends and fads and um what's the trending song on t- on TikTok or what's the you know what's the newest fad on Reels, which I think so many of us, I know me included, kind of gets caught get caught up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, we kind of lose our way. And, and, and you know, as you said, she, she focuses on that joy. And I feel like so many times when all we're doing is trying to keep up with that mill of create new content, create new content, you know, keep up with everybody else, you lose a lot of that joy. So yeah. it was a really refreshing conversation for me. I think that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah. No, so. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I think she has a lot to, to offer her program. Um, and her audience is is very loyal. Her program is very successful, and she she knows what to you know talk about. She knows who she's talking to, mm-hmm. um, and she stays in her lane, which I can really appreciate these days. So, yeah, well, you know, I know that's something that you've kind of been focusing on for this year, and that's something I think I want to try to stay. You know, I've been I've been kind of cutting down on the extra stuff and trying to really hone in on my own niche. Um, so. We're working on it, Jesse. In the meantime, thank you so much for listening to Cocktails and Content Creation. Make sure to join our Facebook group, Cocktails and Content Creation Community. And you can follow us on Instagram at Cocktails and Content Creation. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. I'm Kate Andrews, and you can follow me on Instagram if you're looking for travel or motherhood inspiration on at Fashionably Kate and Co. And I'm Jesse Wyman. You can follow me on Instagram at Jesse Wyman Photos or at the Brand Photographer Method if you are a photographer looking to get into brand photography. Make sure to tune in next time for another great episode of Cocktails and Content Creation. Until then, cheers to your next cocktail. And happy content creating.